Our sermon today is, will be brought by David Hope. What does the world need now? having a lot of fun watching the videos today. We already had one, I had one too. Appreciate the technology that we have and that our men are so proficient at doing that. I don't think anyone can disagree with the, the theme of, of, of this, you know, what the world ne needs now is love. I think most of us can agree with that. I don't think anyone can disagree. This particular song was first recorded back in 1965. I couldn't remember exactly. I knew it was a long time ago. And it was produced and recorded by Jackie DeShannon. 
uh, the person that uh, did this version of it is uh, Dominique Warwick. And forgive me for all you people that really love these singers, because I, I think it's a good version. I chose this one basically because it had the words on the screen when I got on the internet. The other one I liked, uh, you know, because it's an older version. And, and if, if you're a music connoisseur, you, you hate when you get used to a really good song and somebody else comes back years later and, and comes up with it, it's never as good. Maybe it is for the new people that hear it. Uh, it's like the song uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, you know, a beautiful, beautiful song that a lot of us remember years ago. I'm not going to get into that. I'm, I'm taking too much time right now. But uh, anyway, several artists came out with that. Simon Garfunkel was one, several country singers, several other people. The best version I ever heard of that period was Mel Turner. Some of you remember Mel Turner was ministerial assistant here back in years ago in the worldwide. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful version of that. It just made me want to cry. I mean, uh, and, and I'm digressing a little bit, I know. Uh, I've still got two hours to go, so I can digress a little bit. Uh, but uh, my opinion is, and you may be wrong, I give a lot of credit to, to Worldwide, maybe they don't deserve, but uh, I think personally the first music video, or at least I ever heard, and many years before they got popular, was at the Feast of Tabernacles, and Steve, you might have been there too, at Merriam, some of the Lucille, some of them, at Big Sandy, Texas, and on a fun night, one night, uh, you know, 12, 13,000 of the 15,000 were there uh, that night watching that. And they, the worldwide, uh, the, the, the choir, I guess, I don't know who all put it on, but did a beautiful job. They, they actually, you know, we had the old slide projector where you put the pictures up on the big screen, you know, that was the nearest thing we had to videos back then. And they put pictures to that song. It was just absolutely awe-inspiring. If you couldn't go home and thank God for that, you know, you were really on the wrong page. So I think they were the innovators of, of that. They were also innovators of the, the pod, the portable cameras that go out and take pictures. A lot, of, a lot of things, you know, we, some of us older people, we give them a little bit of a hard time because of the few things that they did, you know, that we don't agree with. But they, they had some really, really good things. They were very innovative. But anyway, I don't think anyone can disagree with uh, the, the concept of what the world needs now. And it's been, uh, seemed like it's been brought back to the, the forefront of issues lately. Uh, you know, we're familiar with the, uh, uh, we're in Orlando, Florida, where uh, the shooting of the gay lesbian bar and all that, and a lot of the popular singers, big superstars, I guess, got together to put out a big, uh, album or, or recording or something to give people the attention, you know, to what the world needs now is love. The only issue that I have, and I don't mean to be negative because it, I believe what, but I do have an issue with a, a few of the words that the writer did, and it seems to me that they're blaming God for the situation that the world is in. And I'll, I'll just paraphrase just a little bit of it. One place in there, and you can get back on the internet yourself or wherever you go, and, and, or maybe you even know the words. Uh, one that says, Lord, we don't need another mountain. You know, like telling God, you know, we don't need another mountain, God. And, you know, and all the other stuff goes with that. Lord, 
we don't need another metal, you know, cornfield and wheat and all that. We don't need that. And, and this one right here that I don't particularly care for. And I, like I said, I don't want to paint a negative picture because I think it's true. It says, oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know what the world needs now is love, sweet love, not for just a few, but for everyone. But they, they put it in the vernacular, I think, it, it's God's fault. You know, God, we're in a really pitiful shape here on earth, and all we need is you to just give love to everyone. Not realizing that we have a responsibility along that line, too. And that's basically what I want to talk about a little bit today. Uh, there's so many aspects of love uh, that even back years ago when we started doing sermonettes, uh, even back in the worldwide that I didn't give sermonettes back here, but, but they said, well, the subject you don't want to talk about in a sermonette, you know, 13, 15 minute sermonette is love because it's too big of a subject. You just can't cover, you know, decently. You cover aspects of it, but you can't cover enough of it. So we knew that we don't get into too many sermons about our sermonettes on love. And I'm going to pick out just a little bit today. And uh, I didn't put down what the world, or what does the world need now, part one. Because that implies that there may be a part two, but there may be a part two. And someone else may give a part two. But I'm leaving it open. I'm not pinning it down for the next time I speak. I have to do part two. But uh, I may very well do it. And another one to go along with that, as long as I'm talking about that, is another song about the same vintage as that. Uh, my kids used to sing it at home all the time, and you probably did too. I like to teach the world to sing. You know, that's very good. I want to look the words up to that sometime. And, and uh, you know, I, I love to hear the little kids do that, you know. Uh, I, like, I can't teach them to sing, but I can teach them the principles. <laughs> you know, my singing is atrocious. But anyway, today I want to discuss a little bit of the subject of our responsibility. And, uh, and I'll just start off saying, well, what is love? And I'm not going to give all the dictionary definitions and everything else, but I will give uh, a definition I think most of the, the old timers in the Churches of God would, would say, what, what's your definition of love? And our leaders used to tell us, and I agree, it's a good, good uh, point. Love is an outgoing concern for others. I mean, you pin it down just real clear. And like I said, in, in the, uh, I'm not going to give all the dictionary definitions of it. And we know we've read many a time uh, what we call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and it seemed like yeah, it's not necessarily my favorite scripture, but it's one I like a lot. And, you know, we all have or speak uh, subjects that we like to speak about, but 1 Corinthians 13, uh, seemed like for some reason, not like I said, not it's my favorite, but I do like to uh, speak about that because it's so in depth, so uh, it covers almost everything. And I chose this time to uh, read this particular one in the NIV. I don't read that too much, but it has a good way. Love is patient. Love is kind. And when we look at all the problems that we're having in this world right now of hatred and vengeance and races against each other and things of this nature and, and uh, you know it just we feel like we have answers but 
to get someone else to understand that. But, you know, sometimes we're guilty of the uh, or lack of some of the same things, and I don't mean to, uh, well, not. I'm not going to contradict anything Red says, but we do at times fall short on things, and not to the point that we uh, doubt our salvation, but we do. We are humans, and we are different, and we do have our weaknesses. My weaknesses may not be your weaknesses. You may think, well, how could you do that, David? You are so, you know, I don't have that problem at all. But, you know, I may say the same thing, and hopefully we're doing that without judging. It is not, or it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. And we can look at this in all aspects of our life and find something in here where, you know, we can work on, or maybe we're tickled to death, we've overcome a certain thing over a period of time. It is not easily angered. Do you have a problem with that? Are you better at it than you used to be? I think, you know, if you've been aware of it for a long time, you know what your triggering agents are, and, and sometimes, you know, you either walk out of the room or take a walk or, or just pray silent to yourself. Oh, God, you know, this is the wrong attitude, you know, however you handle it, but we all have certain problems. It keeps no records of wrongs, and that's uh, a big problem that, that a lot of us have sometimes. Uh, and I mentioned this before, and, and uh, some of the marital relationships, you know, and people will throw these things up that uh, should have been forgotten about years ago, and they keep bringing out the skeletons and keeping records of, of wrong. You know, put on the chart, on such and such day in 19, 2000, whatever you did this, you know. And I remember that. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And like I mentioned before, the, the Living Bible has, you know, it's a paraphrase. Uh, I like that version also, but I've, I don't want to run down the ground because I've done it so many times already. Uh, if you turn with me, if you want, where we can look on the uh, uh, screen, <laughs> trying to find out what's that word. My wife and I are getting to where we, I don't know whether it's early stages, dementia, Alzheimer's, or, or just what it is, but sometimes we have trouble coming up with the right word at the right time. And Lawrence is not smiling about it. I don't think he has that problem yet. Anyway, uh, if you go with me now to uh, uh, Colossians, the third chapter, I'm going to read verse 12 and through 14. Well, I thought a while ago that I didn't bring the water up here. I couldn't remember it. I remembered pouring it out back there early, and and uh, I remembered pouring a cup of coffee, and I remember giving a couple of our good-looking older women a hug, but I don't remember bringing the water up here. Uh, about panic a while ago, I thought, man, I'm getting dry already, and I asked my wife, I said, or I told her, I said, I don't know if I took water up here. She said, yeah. I said, well, anyway, but I brought water. Excuse me. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. We never get too old to do that. We never get too complacent or shouldn't get too complacent. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. 
forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And that's a problem a lot of us have sometimes. That, like I mentioned a while ago, we, 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 we keep track too many times that somebody has offended us or somebody didn't live up to our standard or somebody put us down and we don't forgive. Like you said a while ago, we don't have all we don't have time to cover all of the aspects of love, but we can discuss a few. And I did just um, briefly touch on forgiveness right here, and I'll spend a little more time on forgiveness and things of that nature. And like I said, we can make total messages out of the whole thing. Forgiveness. Some will say, oh, some will say that we're not required to forgive unless they ask for forgiveness. You know, and if you believe that, that's okay. I'm not going to tell you. But some people think, well, they haven't asked for forgiveness, so I'm not really required to forgive. And I see a lot of scriptures that, that don't say that, but I see some scriptures that are very encouraging for us to forgive, and I think most of you have scriptures that come to your mind already. Luke 23 Verse 33 and 34. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. This is when they were crucifying Jesus. And here's what Jesus said, his, some of his last words. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they asked me to forgive them. He didn't say that. He did, Jesus never said, they have asked me to forgive, so God, I want you to forgive them, I forgive them. He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Luke six twenty-seven and 28. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies if they forgive, ask you to forgive them. Do good to them which hate you if they ask you for, to forgive. Bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. This sounds like a, what's, what's the term, red? something progressive, I can't even think now, present progressive language, you know, forgive them for they are doing this particular thing to me right now. They haven't asked for forgiveness. They're still doing that, for which despitefully use you, you know. Please forgive them, God. Verse 28, bless them that curse you and pray for, oh, I read that, and despitefully use you. Acts 7 Verse 59 and 60. Situation where the deacon, Stephen, was being stoned to death. A very powerful man Stephen was, full of the Holy Spirit. And they, verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, Lay not this sin to their charge. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen was right in the middle of being beat up. How would we do if we were being mugged and beat up, especially if it was for Christ's sake? Would we have that ability if someone thought we were racist and they were getting even with us because they thought we were racist? Would we ask God to forgive them before they ask? Mark 11, verse 25 through 26. Jesus speaking again. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, I'm just putting some other words in here, if they ask or not ask, but if you, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. And all of us have situations in our life to where we've been offended by someone. Sometimes they didn't even realize it. Sometimes people have said things, they've done things, they've been maybe presumptuous in their actions, maybe they've done some things, maybe we've suffered from it. And maybe sometimes they did do it on purpose, maybe they do know. But they never got a chance to ask for forgiveness. Maybe they become converted. That Five years ago, I had an opportunity to go back to my high school that I almost graduated from. I, I went uh, almost three years in Aztec, New Mexico, and come back to Oklahoma and graduated with the kids that I uh, went the first seven years with last semester. But anyway, so I had two high schools that I went to, and both of them have reunions. Aztec was a bigger school than Oilton down here. And, but anyway, five years ago, we had our 50th class reunion, high school reunion. That was in 2011, which made me graduate in 1961, back in the old century. And there was a person there, and I'll call him John Doe, there whom I offended at that time was about 52 years before. It's been 57 years now since, I've, since that happened. Never had a chance to tell John Doe, I'm sorry what I did. I lived with that for 52 years. It's not what you would think. I mean, I, maybe I should tell you what it is, but it, would, it, it was something, you know how teenagers are and how boys are, you know, and how they stretch the truth and how, uh, you know, peer pressure, you do different things. And there's really no excuse, but we were in our FFA class. We had, had class and then we had shop and we worked. And, and this other guy, and I, I would say it was his fault because he's the one that brought it up, but it was my fault that I was weak enough to go along with him. It started off as a practical joke. We accused this guy as, of having some inappropriate behavior. And back then, that was really bad. And this guy, John Doe, was kind of a meek person, you know, the kind that people pick on. And I didn't pick on him. I, I'll tell you what, I've never been a bully. I've never been a bully. I hate bullies. But I didn't take any guff off of anybody either, and people knew it. But anyway, uh, and I'm not saying those are good qualities. But 
John never said anything. He denied it, you know. And, you know, we had a good laugh going around. Well, after a while, I thought, you know, I really should have straightened that out. You know, this, this could, you know, hurt his reputation. And we have, a lot of us have done things like that that we maybe didn't even know. And, you know, John could have carried a grudge against me for all of those years, not knowing that how bad I felt about what I did. I didn't ask him because I didn't know where he lived. Had no way of getting in touch with him. And I've told my wife about that over the years, said, I'm really ashamed, you know, what I did, that's not me. And I saw him at that reunion after 52 years, and I caught him privately and, and went over and talked to him and said, John Doe, uh, I said, I got something to uh, apologize to you for. And I said, and I think you know what it is. And he said, yeah, agriculture class, FFA. He knew. But he said, but I forgave you a long time ago. I forgave you. He didn't know whether I repented or not. He didn't know whether I was. He thought I was just, oh, you know, David Hope strutting us around. He's a jock, you know, and, and uh, you know, play sports and everything. And, and, you know, he just stuck up whatever, you know. He could have thought that. But he forgave me a long time ago, and I didn't ask him to forgive. And a lot of situations, we, we could have done that. We could have offended people and have never, sometimes didn't know it, and maybe we do know it. If we do know it, like Jesus said, if you have ought against uh, someone or they have a problem, you go to them. You talk to them about that problem. You don't spread it all around to everyone else. You don't destroy their reputation. You don't make things hard on them. You do your part. The world needs love. And it starts with us in the household of God. It takes us to become converted. How can we expect anyone else to be converted if they don't see us doing it? Maybe, and some of them are, are better at it than we are. But anyway, I'm, I was really, really pleased and we're having an opportunity. I may be able to go in a couple of months, you know, about a month before the feast to go back out to another reunion, several of them. And I'm really looking forward to seeing John again, you know. I really am. And, and uh, you know, and I have a good friend. You know, I really, really appreciate uh, his attitude. But anyway, like I said, John could have been angry all these years. He could have, but he didn't. He knew the, the consequences of his own actions. If, if I carry this grudge, this burden, how it's going to eat me up, how it's going to tear me up. And he just chose not to do that. Long-suffering. I want to talk about long-suffering and kindness for a little bit. Let you guys catch your breath. Let me ask you a question. Can you show kindness while working on being patient and long-suffering? You know, sometimes you wonder... Can I really show kindness while I'm working on this? Oh, I'm frustrated. I'm, oh, oh, boy, this has really caused me a lot of problems. Ah, but I've got to show patience. I think you can. 
and I had a uh, let me go ahead and read over another scripture so before I get into that uh, Romans 2 verse 13 through 15 for not the hearers of the law are just before God but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the Gentiles and I'll just use Gentiles uh, in this vernacular for unchurched people you know whether they're in any church or whether excuse me in our church or whatever but, but and I'm just going to substitute a word so when the unchurched people which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law or a law unto themselves verse 15 which show the work of which show the work of the law written in their hearts some people just naturally have a good heart their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another now, I had an experience just this week uh, I'm going to tell a lot of experiences I, I talk about myself a lot because I, I, I know whether they're true or not about me and I don't know about some of these other people and I, I had a whole list of experiences which I thought well if, if I overcome this I had this problem well maybe somebody else did too but after putting things together doing this doing that you know these things just kind of hey they don't fit and I think God said David you're getting too vain you're talking about yourself too much but I do want to talk about situation that is very relevant uh, I had an experience this week about a, a gentleman in the, in the world a customer of mine first time customer I've not worked for him before I didn't develop a rapport you know over a long period of time and and uh, you know have a real good friendship with him it just just happened to be a young man you know I think in his early 50s that's, that's young to me. It's old to some of you people, but, you know, early 50s, that, that's a young man. But, uh, and I've been in the carpet cleaning business almost 44 years now. This February will make 44 years. And I love what I do. I really do. And I don't really want to retire. Uh, but uh, uh, I tell people I don't think I would want to be a carpet cleaner. You know, I wouldn't want to be just make my living being a carpet cleaner, although that's what I've done for 44 years, 43 years. But I love what I do. I love the interaction. I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories. I love sometimes even being an influence positive to them, just like, you know, some of you self-employed people out here, too, that, that have opportunities, or even you people that aren't self-employed. I know a lot of our men and women both were on the jobs. They can be a tremendous asset to, to their people. There's people sitting here today because of some, of some of you out here right now. You know, you're sitting here now. And uh, so I love the contact that we have that God has given me. But it can be very trying being in business and all you business people out here, you know how hard it is, you know, to juggle things around and how cancellations happen and how something doesn't work right. And, and I know, know the curves know that very well, how, how frustrating things can be and people in the house cleaning business and some of the other things are painters and plumbers and electricians. But anyway, in, in, in my equipment that I use, I use and I'm not giving you a sales pitch, you know, on, on my cleaning method. 
but I used what they call a truck-mounted carpet cleaning unit, the main big power unit bolted in the truck, and it runs off of the gas tank of my van with a special hookup and everything, and uh, has a lot of systems on it. It's not just, you know, plug and play and go. It has a gasoline engine, you know, that powers all of the stuff that heats the water and all that. It has a water system on it. It has a vacuum system on it that's powered. It has a fuel system, as I just mentioned. And all of these things have safety devices on it to shut the machine down or to keep it from running, to, to do several things. One, to protect the integrity of the equipment, to keep it from destroying itself or, or getting too hot and blowing things up. And like I said, each one of those systems have safety devices on it. And they all do the same thing. They make the machine quit running. <laughs> And if you're on a professional job and you're a professional, you're supposed to be good at what you're doing and you have equipment problems, it doesn't look very professional. Even though the equipment is human just like us, you know, they break down. And uh, anyway, I don't want to get into all of that. I, I, I can bore you to death on the, the uh, all of these little diodes and sensors and things that do all these things. and. <laughs> I'd love to do that, but I, I like talking about it. But anyway, what the world needs now is love. <laughs> I'm giving a break here. Not just for everyone, not just for some, but for everyone. But anyway, on this particular day, I went out and spoke, it wasn't supposed to be a very large job. The guy had several rental properties. He had this one property out in West Tulsa that he had everything done. You know, you go in, remodel, and everything, get things ready for new tenants to come in. The last thing you do is generally is the floors. And he was ready, and the people were ready to move in. They just, you know, they need a little uh, dry time for the carpet, and then they move in. That's his money. Well, had everything all rigged up, and I went to start the engine, choked it, hit the starter, and normally it kicks right off and then you push the choke in real quick and it runs, no problem, you know, into, into the job, you know, it heats the water, vacuums the water, it does everything, you know, it makes a real lazy person out of you, you know, and, uh, but it, it, it ran for about five seconds and then it quit. Okay, which one of these systems is it? Is it, is it the sensor that when it gets too hot that it uh, uh, shuts the engine down or is it a sensor that uh, that, that opens up a solenoid and has the hot water to go into the recovery tank, you know, to give it a chance to cool down? Or is, is, is it uh, low water? You don't have enough water coming there, you know, check your hoses, you know, because it, it, it shuts it down. Or, you know, what, what is it? Is it a fuel? Well, come to find out, after troubleshooting, and, and I started on the job early so I'd get through before it got hot. You know, it, it, it's hot out there, and, and as most of you know, it work outside. And, and I started early that day. It was around 3 o'clock that afternoon when I finally gave up. said, I, I'm just going to take it home and work on it. I worked on it in the yard, and I know what a shade, shade tree mechanic is now. I did finally drive my van up under a shade tree where my legs would be out of the sun because part of my work had to be underneath the thing. But my point, what I'm trying to make is, this young man was very patient with me. 
knowing that he was losing money because if I don't get this done, you know, he can't get the people to move in. They may not even want to do it after that. They may go somewhere else. But he was very patient and he was kind. The gentleman even took me in his own vehicle to auto parts stores to get, get parts for the thing so I wouldn't have to disconnect everything on mine. And, well, it helped a little bit, but it wasn't the main problem. Troubleshooting, he'd stand out there in the hot sun and, and uh, eliminated it down to the fuel system. I had three fuel filters on the thing. One little filter just on the side of the engine, one just inside the, the, the van, about this big, then one underneath the van where it comes, before it goes into the fuel pump, and all of the filters worked, but the fuel pump wasn't. I went and bought a new fuel pump. He went with me again, very patient, just kind as can be, and still didn't work. It, it run a little bit, but it wouldn't pump gas. But anyway, make a long story short, the guy really tolerated me. He showed kindness. And when Scripture says, you know, do unto others as you want them to do unto you, that's exactly what I wanted him to do to me. And I want to do that for somebody else. You know, I hope I can be patient. I hope I can be kind. I hope I can be merciful. And, you know, this, this was a fabulous example. I really wish the guy would come to church. <laughs> I, almost, I almost asked him, you know, well, do you have a church to go to? You know, where... But I, I thought, well, it'd be kind of arrogant if I invite him today and I'm speaking today. You know, he might think, oh, yeah, you just want to show off. But anyway, you know, there's people out here, and that's what the world needs. That, that's just a very, very small situation. It's a very small example. So many people, and, and you know, uh, just little things. When you, when you go into a store or something and, and a person stands there and holds the door open for you, they wait just a little longer and hold the door. They don't have to do that. They can just go on in. Little things. If people need to show love. There's so many things that we can do. Uh, and just like I said, what, what the world needs now for everyone, not just for some, not just for a few. We all need that. We all need to contribute to that. And we can. That's the, the, the good thing about it. We can do it. And the world, and what the world needs now is for everyone, not just a few, but everyone to keep the Ten Commandments of God. Plain, pure, simple. And we've given messages on this before. And you take every one of these commandments, and if somebody, everybody kept just one of these all the time consistently, and especially when you come down, and I gave a message sometime back on uh, coveting and all the ramifications that, that covers. If no one coveted, you know, the first, ten command, uh, first of the Ten Commandments, the first four basically shows love, toward God. You look at it and analyze it. I have no other God before me, the Sabbath and all the others. The last six commandments shows what love toward mankind is. You know, we don't commit idolatry. We don't steal from them. We don't lie. We don't blah, 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 all, the, all the other four. That's what the world needs now. And I've mentioned it before, and I've mentioned it even to a crowd out in California. You know, I hate these things. 
I'm afraid to do that. The car will probably beep if I press that one button. You know, we have to be so alert. You know, they even have things now on, uh, that I've seen on TV, a little doorbell thing. Uh, when somebody masses the doorbell, it, it comes up on your cell phone. Well, why? You know, if people didn't covet, people didn't steal, we wouldn't need those things. A lot of people would be out of work. Well, <laughs> negative part on that. But everybody needs to not steal. Everybody needs that, not just a few, not just one or two of us. All of us need to not steal. We need not to lie. We need to not covet. We need not commit idolatry in our own mind and our own heart. I'm going to wind down here pretty quick. Uh, I thought I had another scripture too. And here's God's answer. You know, when people will say, like part of the message a while ago was, uh, what was it I mentioned first? Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know. You know, God, listen up. Here's, here's what we need in this world, God, that this world's not doing right. But here's what God says in many, many other places. But I'm just, in a nutshell, just uh, Deuteronomy 5th chapter, and verse 28 and 29. And the Lord heard the voice of your oh, and the Lord heard the voice of your words, you know, of the people, of the song. God's heard these words. When you spoke unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people. You know, I've heard what we need now is love, sweet love. Which they have spoken unto you, they have well said all that they have spoken. That's a good idea, God says. We really do need that. Verse 29. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So that would be our answer to the to the world when they blame God and, and they rightfully say, well, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We do, absolutely do. But we need to do our part and hopefully when we do our part, just like the gentleman that worked, that helped me the other day, you know, that was a tremendous uh, benefit to me. I really appreciate that and hopefully I can pay it forward and, and try to be patient while I'm frustrated patient while I'm, you know, in a bind. That's a big problem. My daughter will even tell you that, you know, Dad, you know, and, and I've worked on it. I, I'm getting better on it. Am I getting better? Okay. Anyway, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, and we need our part.